0: Thank you, Cameron and Haley, for um, living out what you believe. My name is Kim Lee, and I'm the kids' pastor here at Gain. Last week, we had the opportunity to pack meals together as a church family with Feed My Starving Children. Faith and action matters. Inviting kids into being the church matters. Kids having global impact around the world matters. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the impact of kids right here in our own community. As a high school student, I had a youth leader who was deeply invested in who I would become and how I was growing in the Lord. My hope is that you can identify one or two people who saw you, believed in you, and were willing to invest in who you became. My leader's name was Valerie. She hosted a youth breakfast at our youth house Each week on Thursday mornings, she brought breakfast, she brought a word from the Lord, and she gathered a few of us girls together and led us to the feet of Jesus. It was personal. A few years into high school, Valerie and her husband were called to a church in Oklahoma. They were following the Lord's call. It hurt to see them go. Why? Because it was personal. What you do for the life of a young person matters more than anything else you will do. The Bible says kids matter. Jesus says, let them come. Let them disrupt and interrupt and be who I created them to be. Jesus said, kids matter. And here at Gaten, we believe that as well. It is personal. And when I say kids this morning, I'm talking about kids through young adults. We are all going to fall under the umbrella of kids because I'm the kids pastor and that's what we're going to do this morning. I accepted Jesus as my personal savior when I was eight years old following vacation Bible school. We had an awesome week at VBS and the following Sunday, the pastor said, is there anybody who wants to say yes to Jesus? And before I knew it, I was walking down the aisle of my Baptist church. I knew what I was doing that Sunday. But if I'm honest, my faith didn't become real or even all mine until I was in high school. It took leaders along the way to plant seeds into what has become my foundation today. It is personal. So needless to say, VBS matters to kids. It matters to me. And VBS at Gaten Matters. Each year we are welcoming more and more kids into our church home, into our church building without a church home. We get to show them that Jesus is worth something and so are they. VBS is personal. Each year I pair an adult or a student with a group of kids and I say they are yours for the week. And if you do nothing else this week, I want you to love them really, really well and point them to Jesus. The same goes for kids camp. The same goes for kids in student small groups. It is personal. Kids won't know Jesus until they first know someone who knows Jesus. This is what we live by in kids and student ministry. It is personal. This morning, we are going to look into the book of Daniel. We are going to explore the first four chapters with some deep dives into chapters one and three. We first find Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, four Jewish boys. Young men, the Bible calls them in verse four. Some scholars guess the boys to be somewhere between the ages of 13 and 16 years old. We find them entering Babylon as slaves. Teenagers ripped from their homeland, orphans in a foreign land. Their homeland of Jerusalem had been taken under siege by Babylon under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's start in chapter 1, verse 3. The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. I want to stop here for a moment. Not much has changed from what the world values today. The king was looking for the best in outward appearance, good looks, No defects, smart, willing to be taught. We even thousands of years later are quick to come to conclusions based on what we see. In the king's case, he needed men who could serve his purposes. He was, after all, royalty. As the passage continues, we find the king has assigned food and wine and three years of training. All of the royal provisions to these young men. Daniel makes the decision that he will not defile himself with the king's food and wine, and he asks permission from the eunuch to eat from a different menu. The eunuch was skeptical, but he agreed. I find it interesting here to note that Daniel immediately receives kindness and compassion from God, as well as from the chief eunuch. What had Daniel done to receive such grace, such kindness? As far as the eunuch, were they similar in age? Were they both foreigners? What led to compassion? The eunuch even said that he feared for his own life if Daniel's experiment were to fail. He was willing to put his own life on the line, and he offered compassion. It became personal. We continue in verse 12 with Daniel's plan. Please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. Already we have seen Daniel receiving favor from the eunuch and from God. And Daniel and his friends were bucking the system a little bit. These ideas seem contradictory. They are going against the norm. They are challenging the system. They are asking for a different way. A way we will find is of the Lord and not of culture and not of tradition. And they're being met with favor. Verse 17, God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding and every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. Verse 19, the king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their names would be changed. So they began to attend the king. He found them ten times better than all of the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel and his friends had gifts and talents, and they were being recognized. They were promoted to attend the king. That equated to city managers in Babylon. They had access to the king. They had all of their needs met, anything they could want at their fingertips. The reality was they had everything, and they were still found to be challenging the system. What does this mean for Daniel? Daniel and his friends are desiring a different way, a holy way. They were standing out, they were different, they were bucking the king's system and even the Babylonian way. And wouldn't you know it, the same things still get said about young people today. Why are they doing it that way? Why do they want it this way? Can you believe young people today, millennials and Gen Z, who can understand them? They are self-indulgent and self-focused. It is personal. As we continue, we find a King Neb. Can we call him that today since we're getting personal? He is having dreams in chapter 2 of Daniel. And we find the greatest not being able to interpret the dream and being sentenced to death. But remember, Daniel had a gift for interpreting dreams. This is of significance to me because God uses Daniel, a teenage boy, and brings out his gifts to be used for the kingdom. I hear questions all the time about using students to lead kids. My response is to come check it out. Students have gifts. Research in our experience shows that in order for students to grow in their faith, their faith needs to be put into action. And really, faith in action is a mark for any mature believer at any age. Kids matter. Students matter. It is personal. So Daniel gets brought in, and he is able to rightfully interpret the dream. And in doing so, King Neb continues to elevate Daniel to the ruler of the province of Babylon. If you have ever been the new kid or the kid who felt like they didn't belong, to be recognized, to be seen, to be valued feels pretty good. It feels significant. You are seen to have significance. And the king had seen Daniel and believed Daniel to have significance. It was personal. Now to the old familiar story of the fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar must have been having an identity crisis because he still felt the need to prove his power. Maybe it was because he brought in foreigners to work for him, but in bringing in foreigners, they also brought with them their gods that they bowed to. And for Daniel and his people, they worshipped the Hebrew God, also known to us as God. So he, King Nebuchadnezzar, did what kings did in that time, and he built a statue. Now, scholars aren't sure what the statue was actually of, but they guessed it to be of a human, and that was likely Nebuchadnezzar himself. They also knew that it was built of gold, which was gaining value at that time, and that the statue was meant to be worshipped. So King Neb issued a decree that all were to bow and worship the statue, and if not, you would be thrown into a fiery furnace. Well, the locals knew that the Jews weren't going to bow, and so they ran to tattle to Nebuchadnezzar. And it was true. Daniel and his friends were not going to bow to this statue god. Let's pick up in chapter 3, verse 12. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Here we find these young people, again, not doing what they were told, ignoring authority, and it ticks off those in power. But what if God's way is higher? This may not please those in authority, but God is God, right? Verse 13, and then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire, and who is the God who can rescue you from my power?" Nebuchadnezzar gives them yet another chance. This is shocking, and again, we find favor. We just read that Nebuchadnezzar was in a furious rage, yet he offers them grace. He wanted to see them face to face, to hear from their mouths. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar had developed a personal relationship with these young men they weren't throwaways to him they mattered to him because it was personal verse 16 Shadrach Meshach and Abednego replied to the king Nebuchadnezzar we don't need to give you an answer to this question if the God we serve exists then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you the king But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. But even if he doesn't, this is one of the most powerful lines in scripture to me. And it comes from the mouth of a teenager. You see, these young men are saying, we know our God is able he can't do it. He can deliver us from the fire and from your corruptness. But Nebuchadnezzar, even if, even if our God does not save us, even if he doesn't and we die, he is still God. You know, this kind of faith gives me chills. It is personal. These young men know their God. They are in a personal relationship with their God. Can we please make it personal to raise a generation that says, My God can. And even if He doesn't, He is still my God. It is personal. Can you imagine? This would hurt a bit if we were in the king's shoes. He became filled with rage, the Bible says. He ordered the furnace to be turned up seven times hotter than was customary and ordered the three young men to be thrown into the blazing fire. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and he said to his advisers, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the most high God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Unharmed, unscorched, unfazed by being thrown into a fiery furnace. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who can deliver like this. And then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. It is personal. Today's young people stand on conviction. They want to be a part of something greater. They want to know their lives matter. And here we find Daniel and his friends not compromising their convictions nor their character. Why? Because it is personal. Standing up for what we believe in takes courage. It takes sacrifice. At the end of the day, it was worth it to these young Jewish boys. They were willing to give their lives for a personal relationship with their God. Having convictions and character will cost us our possessions, a job promotion, our character, good or bad. The faith of these young men took courage. Their faith led to life change. Their own life changed when their faith in an unseen king grew. Their testimony to a pagan king led to life transformation as as we see at the end of Daniel chapter 3 and into Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the most high God, the God of Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, the Hebrew God, the God we know as the one true God worth knowing. It is personal. Here again, we are called to be disciples who make disciples from generation to generation. One is not worth more than another, and it starts with the youngest souls here at Gayton. We are raising up disciples who will go, and they will make disciples of every generation. Do we as a church demonstrate consistency between belief and action? When we say kids matter, do we act as though they do? Do we pour into the next generation? Do we celebrate new life in the nursery? Do we champion kids and students in their walk with the Lord? These young boys brought in as slaves, brought influence to a nation and to a king. Someone said they mattered. Someone saw their worth. Someone made it personal. Pouring into kids will cost us our time, our energy, our money. We have to believe that kids matter. God did. We have to believe that God uses kids to impact his kingdom and bring glory. He showed us through Daniel that young people are capable of impacting a generation. I watch week after week as middle and high school students show up and serve, and pour into preschool and elementary-age kids. I watch kids saying yes to being on mission through the family mission trip, through Vacation Bible School, through serving our church and our neighbors. Something we say around here is kids aren't the future of the church. They are the church today. This is not something we say and leave it there. This is something we create ministry around. We believe kids can experience and know the Lord at the youngest of ages, and we believe in kids serving and being the church. I remember Raj served in the nursery when my oldest kid was born. He then followed this class through pre-kindergarten, that's six straight years with the youngest friends in our church family. And I remember when Tegan, my daughter, was a two-year-old and having a conversation with Raj and saying, you prepare a lesson every week. You show up and you teach two-year-olds every week. You love and you pour into two-year-olds every week. Do you believe that they get it? And without missing a beat, he said, absolutely they do. They can know that God created them and God loves them, and that is what they are supposed to know as a two-year-old. And watching my own two-year-old get it only fueled my fire. It was personal for Raj. As a four-year-old, my kids served with me for the first time with intentionality. I signed us up to greet at the doors of Jazz Nativity. This has become an annual date for us. This is consistency in belief and action. Kids matter, it is personal. I've watched kids show up year after year at Vacation Bible School. Watching watching kids connect to a mission is transformational, just like we saw in the video earlier this morning. The year that we decided we were going to connect VBS to feed my starving children, I watched the Lord work in the hearts of young people. I watched us go from raising under $1,000 to quadrupling that amount when FMSC was the mission. The same kids bringing money to VBS got to come back and use their own hands to pack meals that will go around the world just as we did last weekend. It is personal. Year after year, I watch kids go home and empty their piggy banks without their parents' knowledge and bring back up to $50 of their own money and give it away to the church. I watch kids connect by loving other kids. Real kids, real stories, real life transformation. It is personal. I've watched preschoolers and elementary schoolers gather together with their life groups to pack bags for Carver. Kids matter and kids want to know that they matter. Kids are capable of mighty things in the name of the Lord. Do you believe that? Carver is a local elementary school right in our backyard. Kids go home on the weekends hungry. And we get to be a part of the solution. It is personal. I've had the opportunity to participate in two international mission trips that included students. I went to Haiti with a high school student and his dad and I went to Romania with a middle school student and her church family. Giving kids and students the opportunity to see and experience the world on a global level is transformational. I've stood with kids in Haiti and Romania in the most desperate of circumstances. And what I have learned is kids are kids are kids. It doesn't matter where they are from. They want to dance and play and be fed and learn and love and be loved. And guess what kids are capable of of doing at ages 2, 9, 12, 15? They can dance and they can play and they can love. It is personal. We believe that kids matter, so we will choose to pursue them and champion them. Just as Daniel and his friends had their gifts seen and recognized and were given a chance, we will do that for our kids here in this community and kids around the world. In our Gaten model, kids are invited each week to pursue an up relationship with the Lord. That looks like worship services designed with kids and students in mind. We hand over leadership to kids and students on a weekly basis. We also practice in, we invite kids into relationship with others and give them the opportunities to serve through an out relationship. We have worship teams in preschool church and kids worship that are made up of middle and high school students and elementary age kids. Kids want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Church, can we Point the way. And finally, we want kids to live on mission. We value kids. Our kids here at Gaten, our neighbors, kids in the community, kids around the world. So let's get practical. We believe that kids best grow in relationships with other adults who know and love the Lord. This month, we are launching Intergenerational Prayer Pals. And you can sign up for one today. We are asking for a year commitment of investing in the life of a young person. You can send cards. You can bring a Sunday treat. You can grab a hug after worship services in addition to praying for your young person. You can go all in and support them outside of Sundays as well. We want our kids to be impacted by the church, to know they belong and have a place in the church, and we need you to help them believe that. If you believe that the Lord can use you in this manner, please stop by our info desk right back here after the service, and we will get you connected. It matters, and it is personal. If you are not able to make that level of commitment, but you would be willing to pray for the kids who pass through this building morning and afternoon, you can grab a prayer prompt sheet at the exit doors when you leave this morning. If you have a kid who would benefit from an intergenerational prayer pal, you can also sign up at the info desk this morning. As we come to our time of generosity, consider that you are pouring into the church. Your explore offering is providing scholarships to kids for kids to go to camp and make decisions for Jesus. You are increasing the depth of our training for small group leaders to disciple our young people. You're providing Bibles into the hands of guests, of new readers, of kids who don't own a Bible. Your generosity towards Explore contributes to faith in action. We are sending students on their first ever international mission trip in less than two months. What you do in the life of a young person matters. Your generosity is personal. In just a moment, our baskets are going to pass. As you consider a gift to explore and pass the basket, will you also pray for the kids and students who will be impacted by your generosity? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the clear call that you have placed on our lives to be a disciple who makes disciples. God, for your clarity on what that means for kids and for students and how we can champion them and pursue them and point them to you. God, I thank you for the generosity that will come forth this month as we send people on mission to go and be the church and the community and in the world around us. God, we thank you for loving us. God, may we go and do likewise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.